gratitude is something that I have lived by for my entire life. I am, I am so damn happy to be here, man. Like in life, really I am. And one of the reasons why I talk so much and I was bouncing off the walls when I was a kid, I was just happy to be alive. Wow. I was happy. I was happy. I was adopted from Honduras when I was four months old. I was, I, I was, a, I was adopted from Honduras when I was four months old. I was in a little orphanage when I got adopted. Every single moment that I'm around, I am grateful to be here. And it is genuine gratitude that is expressed through me talking too much or doing whatever it is. Mi gente, what's good? Dímelo, dímelo. Welcome to another episode of the Can't Do It As Podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know, it's your boy Pavel bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. As a reminder on this podcast, our mission is to redefine professionalism because it feels like we've been trained our entire lives to believe that who we are authentically is unprofessional and inappropriate for the workplace. That's not true, though. We're here to help you unlearn that so that you can be your most authentic self at work. Each week, we have a different guest join us for a very candid conversation around their experience between professionalism and authenticity. Speaking of guests, the clip that you heard in the intro is with this week's guest, the homie Adam, who currently serves as the Senior Director of Diversity and Inclusion for a very large insurance and wealth management company, I'll give you a hint, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A little bit more about his role it includes creating and driving the execution of diverse and inclusive talent attraction and retention strategies as well as consulting across the company to retain, develop, and advance diverse talent. In 2020, he was the recipient of Milwaukee Business Journal's 40 Under 40 Awards. And a few mantras that he lives by, one, give more than you take, two, say yes more than you say no, three, leave things better than you found it, and lastly, look good, feel good, do good. And really quickly, if you're watching this on YouTube, I do want to apologize for the video quality. There was a bit of an issue with the internet connection at certain points. The audio was not impacted, but the video does tend to freeze a few times during the conversation. Either way, hope you enjoy this dope conversation. Let's get into it. I'd, I'd be remiss to not talk about your background right now. Like it doesn't even look real. <laughs> Where are you, Adam? It is real. I promise there's, this is not a virtual background. I can actually reach back here and I can see it, but I'm actually in Georgia right now, just outside of the Blue Ridge mountain range, which is not too far from North Carolina. So with the family right now, we rented this beautiful little house on, on a farm, man. There's a horse and a donkey running over there. You can't see him, but they're there. All right. I'm going to just be real. I didn't know you were like a mountain outdoor hiking dude are most people surprised like if you were to share that i think it depends because i know you've been to my place of employment and i might be in a suit one day if you catch me i might have a little essentials fear of god on but i think some people are surprised by it because they assume i'm kind of a city guy and that's where i spend most of my time but those who have gotten to know me even a little bit know i like to try a whole bunch of different things and this whole being outdoors camping all that stuff my father introduced me to that when i was like 10 years old so this has actually been a part of my life for a really long time interesting yo i'm such a city kid that i've never been camping not only that but i don't even think i want to go camping man yo <laughs> i sit outside in the in the park 
and I'm just like, ah, oh, the grass or a bench? Yo, where's a bench? Because these bugs, ah. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We'll have to ease you into this then because you can't just be hanging out here on a farm or go out camping for five to seven days. There's levels to this. There's levels to this. Well, what, what is being outdoors in that area very different from a city? Like, what sort of feelings do you get out when you're in nature man that is an amazing question it was funny because i was just talking about that with someone the other day i feel like i can't think sometimes when i'm in the city if you will like i don't have time to think it's very i feel tactical i don't feel thoughtful i don't feel purposeful and when i step away i feel like i'm able to do some of those things that's exactly right and it's funny because i've talked to so many people over the last couple of years that i consider myself to be pretty extroverted and myself, I've noticed that and felt that as well, where I say there's a different energy in the cities that I don't quite click with the same way. I find myself being much more called to this than wanting to be in that all the time like I used to maybe three, four years ago. And this is, I mean, kind of to stay on, on the course of what we're talking about, this is the freedom that I wish for all of us is the ability to have two things be true simultaneously. You can be a podcast person. You can be on a stage in New York City. You can be here. And you know what? You could be sitting on a beach someplace just hanging out with the family. Or you could be at a coffee shop, just your headphones on by yourself. And you can do all those things. And none of those things have to define you other than how you want to define yourself in the moment, man. And I think that, talk about diversity, I think the diversity of people's experiences and where they can thrive and what they want to be in is incredibly important for us to nurture all those things. I really do. I really do. I agree. I think often we limit ourselves because we feel like we can only be one thing. I mean, I literally That's called it. the brand plural because it means more than one. Right. And I want to check in with you around this idea of like duality. Like you said the word paradox earlier, which yeah. is so powerful. Like, did you ever feel a time in your life where you saw other people not being able to live in that paradox or duality or you felt yourself like I can't be these sort of the, like all these things in one? 100%. And mm. it was it was something for me as I was growing up is I always felt welcome. I want to be really clear about that. I, I had, I shouldn't say had, it's current <laughs> tense, but I have parents that love and care for me a great deal. And it's something that I'm very blessed to have. I also grew up having great friends around me too. And for me, I always felt like I was welcome, but I never felt like I fit. Mm. Yeah, tell me, me about that. Yeah, and again, talk about the paradox, right? Talking about the two things to be true simultaneously. I can feel welcome someplace, but I can also not feel like I am of that place. Mm. And that's always how I felt. You know, I was born in a different country. I, I wasn't, I'm, I'm sometimes not that black, but sometimes not that brown. And sometimes, and, and not, not, my hair is not quite like this. It's not quite like that. I love doing this, but I also love doing that. And I always thought that for me, that's what what I really appreciated in both myself and others. But it wasn't always welcome, but it wasn't always that the door was being closed in my face. So long answer to your question is certainly growing up, I didn't feel like I ever fit. But I thought that that was something that would become more clear. And now you fast forward. And I this I love this. I love the fact that, oh, you want to go do that? Cool. You want to go do that? Cool. And to me, it, it's I don't know if it's a superpower, but it's certainly something I embraced it that maybe I did 15, 20 years ago. And you said I didn't feel. I wonder how much of that is people contributing to that feeling versus you in your head just like telling yourself, like, I don't feel a certain way. Like, did people make you feel those those emotions of not 
not enough for this or too much of that? You know, as I think back on it now, I couldn't sit here. I'd be lying if I sat here and said, yes, the, here's our definitive examples of in which somebody said you don't fit. So it was probably as much in my head as it was in the world. But then mm. again, don't want to go too deep down a rabbit hole. But then what are we consuming? What information is being thrown at me directly or indirectly that I'm then consuming and internalizing? Then that's making me think this and blah, 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 right? So how much of it was me versus my environment? It was probably somewhere in the middle of it. But again, I can't pinpoint a bunch of examples in which somebody said, oh, you don't really fit. But right. it was definitely real. Yeah, no, no, no I, I get it. And that's an interesting point. Like maybe, I mean, one, it's not always things that people say that we pick up on. It could be body language, facial expressions, but also to your point, maybe you're seeing media or representation that that you know people would think you would align to but at the same time like you don't see yourself represented in in some of those people like maybe some of the representation that you saw was like they, they fit certain boxes but they didn't fit the duality like they weren't allowing themselves to embrace all of these things about them that's right it's 100 percent right and i definitely know it was something that i saw externally so if you dressed a certain way or you spoke a certain way or yeah. whatever it may be then you fit into what it meant to be black or you fit into what it meant to be latino or however we hispanic latinx whatever we want to choose right. to define it as but even that process of the need to define us as something right is in of itself challenging right because okay well now you told me that that this is what blackness looks like this is what being a man looks like okay well but then if i don't fit that then who am i right and it's like okay unpack that when you're 15 Right. And it's not that you, right. I mean, I, we've got grown men and women that are unpacking that to this day. But to me, that's one of the things that I was just talking to a young man just not too long ago. And what my hope is, is that these young people that are coming up now don't feel like there's outside pressure from me or from society for them to define who they are, that I'm willing to accept you truly how you are and support that black, brown, whatever it may be. And I know that we did not feel that as much as we could have, and I don't want these young people to experience that. So I, let me use my words better. I want my young people to experience whatever they want to experience, not be influenced by outside sources. That that's such a fascinating idea, and and to your point, to this idea around just like, nah, no one really told me that I had to be a certain way, but like, we all try to emulate what we see in the world, right? And I'm just making this up, but maybe you saw black. Or, or men or Latinos, whatever you want to call, you know, certain identities. And you're just like, damn, they never talk about climbing mountains or hiking, right? right? Maybe you see other people that don't look like you talking about those things. But at the same time, you're like, I love this shit though, but I'm not allowed to do those things because I don't see people that look like me doing those things. Damn, is it wrong? And that internal dialogue in our head, we typically push those away and of, of our interests, our, our, our things that we actually want to explore, things that we want to learn about because we don't see people that look like us doing it, right? Talk to me a little bit about that journey. When did you start learning more about yourself and becoming comfortable doing that? I've thought about this and I don't believe it was a singular moment. Yeah. I really believe it was multiple moments in time. So yeah. call it high school time frame, <laughs> then call it again in college then call it again as I was finishing school and getting deeper into the world of work and then call it over the better part of the last 10 years as my career has continued to grow. I've learned more things. I've had different experiences. I've got young children. I've got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. So when I had my first son, when he was seven, talk about a complete shift in 
in my reality, certainly in recognizing the importance of living our lives truly for other people. So there have been multiple times. And now I look at it much more as I have so much that I can learn and so much that I can grow in. And I'm also very, very sure of my value system and the things that are important to me as a man. And that has come through the trials and the tribulations of it. And I believe more than anything that comes through time. I believe wisdom is this idea of experience and knowledge actually applied towards something. And I know some really damn smart people that are 17 and 18. So don't get it twisted. It's not just an age thing, but certainly through experience, I know much more today than I did 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So this is the best version of me so far. And I'm just getting started, man. I love it. And, and that's true for a lot of people. This idea of authenticity comes in different ways. So maybe let's talk about some of those earlier years. Like you said, high school, college. What part of you do you think you were scared to show or hit you, you started unraveling yourself a little bit? So it's obviously we know each other and it's no no secret that I do like to talk. As a young kid, I always got in trouble for talking too much. Really? Oh, <laughs> always, man. Constantly. Teacher would be talking about one thing. I'd be talking to this kid over here about something else. I just wanted to engage with him. Teacher's like, Adam, come on, man. Like, we're trying to do this lesson. Oh, yeah, I get it. And I wasn't rude. I want to be really clear about that. I wasn't this jerk little snot-nosed kid. I wasn't that. I just had so many different interests. And I was so excited about this and so excited about that. So I spent the better part of the first 18 years of my life. People tell me that I should probably be a little quieter. That was the majority of the 18 years of my, of my of life growing up. Now, Wait, so you you were the kid in like uh like parent teacher conference and they're like how's Adam? Oh my god, Adam, so many good grades, he's killing it. He just he's very talkative. Like that was the feedback pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Really nice kid. Yeah. He's respectful. He gets along with everybody in class, but he cannot sit still. He yeah. can't oh. stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those. I, that was that was the MO for me for for pretty much my my whole my whole childhood growing up. But what I find really, really interesting about that is that ability to, to talk, to connect with other people makes me really good at what I do today. And it's something that I could look at as being one of my greatest strengths. So I think that this whole journey has been about discovering what I like, who I truly and authentically am, and doing that through experiences, and also recognizing that I have more power and more control now as a grown man than you do when you're 15, 16, 17. And I don't really want to fit inside the box anymore. And that's, uh, that again, that's something that's come with time and a lot of self, uh, self-reflection, self I would say. But when did you get the confidence to not listen to some of that feedback, some of that guidance to say, you know, focus on this, be quieter, whatever it is, and just say, like, embrace some of those skills and talents that you have. Because a lot of times like, these days you would have been applauded for your relationship building skills, right. your ability to communicate, to own the room and all these sort of like buzzwords that you would hear in corporate. So when did you get the confidence to, to own some of that? I had it for bits and pieces as I was going through high school. It would show up at different times. But I would say as I started to get through college and then graduate college. So I got out of college in 2006. And when I got out of school, for me, that was really when things started to click. So I was never a school guy. I was the guy that said, let me go and put practical knowledge into play. Let's get to work. Let's do a thing. The theoretical is all well and good, but let's go do the thing. I, I, to this day, I love to work. I love to get things done. I like to go out and make things happen. So as I got through college, I was, much, I was a pretty good, decent student in college, much better of student than I was because I had less rigidity, right? Mm. I was able to do more of my own thing. 
So I would say certainly as I'm graduating college and then over the last 17 years of my career, it's just continued to get be more and more opportunities to see who I say that I am and put that into practice and have have it be received well. So college so, really. So me so am I am I reading this correctly as far as like maybe you know you get you get a diploma, you get some experience working, maybe the resume starts to get built up a little bit and you're just like the more that it gets built up, you're like well, I'm proving that it, that the skills are working, and, and yeah. that sort of like okay makes sense. Yeah, it, that that helped solidify it. Again, it helped solidify in my head who I thought I could be, and then the world mm. the world mirrored that back to me. They said, you know what, Adam, you are good on the stage. You know what, Adam, having that conversation with you made me feel good, or you know, you helped me work through this. It was great. So those things that I believed were true. I got to test them in the real world and the real world said yes. That makes sense. I think we all need some sort of validation to tell our brains that we're good at something. And earlier in my career, I used to use performance reviews as a way to do that. So I would say I'm going to hide some parts of myself until I get a performance review, maybe like six months in, one year in. And if someone comes at me for something, I can say, but look at the numbers though. I did really well last time. We all have our own thing. And for some people, a certain income, for some people, it's a title. For some people, it's this traumatic moment or celebratory moment in their lives. Kids, for example, right? We all get it at different levels, but there is a, there is typically like a moment or a buildup of moments that continue to give us confidence to, to lean into who we are. There's no question about it. And I know, obviously we know each other. So hearing a little bit about your story in the past and so, Obviously, I got a chance to see you when you came and you spoke at NM about a month ago or so. And what I love about your story in particular, especially as you've gone this route and had so much success as you started out on your own venture after leaving a successful career, as you talk about over and over again, and this being a new thing for you, like you're really good at that, man. Like not only the podcast side of it, being able to speak on the stages. And I want to give you some love for the fact that you decided to do that. Because it would be sad if you didn't bring these talents to the world like you had because you were afraid or because someone told you, you can't do that. Just go back and do some coding, man. Or just go back and do that. So I, I, I think we all have those moments. And one of the things that I hope for all of us, and this is for anybody watching, this is me telling this to you straight up as well, is keep going. Find somebody that's going to show you some love. Because chances are we can do so much more than we even thought we could do. And I want that power to come from inside. But we are humans and we need love from other people. So, yeah, man, I just want to show you a little bit of love because I, I, I just appreciate everything that you're doing. It's been fun to get to know you a little bit more over these last couple of years. Thank you. And and yeah. shout out to you and, and appreciate you for, for getting me plugged into that opportunity. That was dope. Uh, and that opportunity was, was fascinating mm -hmm. and also validating for a few different reasons. One, because a lot of the audiences that I speak to are often people of color. And this was actually majority white. Yep. And... I always say that this this is a problem for everyone. Most people struggle with this idea of self-acceptance, authenticity, but often people only believe that it's a people of color issue. Right. And that conversation at NM was really validating because people of all backgrounds came up to me after and was like, thank you. This is what I needed. I've been struggling with this my whole career. This is inspiring me to you know, lean into my authenticity, even think about what is my authenticity? Because I've been hiding it for so long. There's a woman that came up to me and was like, getting ready to come to hear you speak. I was thinking about wearing my Milwaukee Buck shirt and I didn't want to wear it because I thought it would be unprofessional. But you know what? I was like, forget about it. I'm going to wear it today. And yeah. you inspired me to continue doing those kind of things and continue challenging myself. So it, it was really validating seeing an array of different backgrounds come up to me and share that that validation. But it was also sad to know that like, 
everybody struggles with it. Yeah, it, it, I'm so glad that you got that validation and I expected nothing less, but it goes back to what I mentioned before of our experiences growing up as young people. More than anything, I hope a future in which people do not have to do some of those things. They feel like they can show up any way they want. And this is one of the things that I love a lot about just because of where I am in my life is I can see it from both sides. I can see it from my parents and my grandparents' side, but I can see it from the side of somebody who's 25 or 19 or 14. And to me, the idea is how do we bridge the gap? Because two things can be true simultaneously. For the professionalism side, however we choose to define that, even though it's not accurate, as you remind everybody all the time, there is a time and a place where I put on a suit and I love it. I sure. said, this is an important thing that I want to wear for myself because I believe X, Y, and Z. There's other times that I say, I'm going to be in some fear of God stuff today. I also love that. And this is how I want to present myself. I believe in my heart of hearts, there should be an opportunity for us all to show up however we want to. And whether we think about employment, whether we think about spaces like yours, whether we think about how we treat each other in our communities, if we're really about that life, we really should invite all of us to be in it, even if it doesn't fit our idea of things. I agree. Listen, like, I think I look damn good in a suit. And there are times where I want to dress up. There are times where I don't want to dress up. And I think, you you know, you continue to, like, it's not about the or. It's about the and. Like, we can do both. And there are times when you may want to do this and there are times where you may want to do that. But it's this idea of having the freedom and autonomy to make that decision for yourself versus for so long, at least for me, it felt like people were making the decision for me or at least whether they told me about you know, directly or, you know, through these unspoken signals as well. But even from like a fashion standpoint, was there a moment for you where you started getting the confidence to brace like the accessories? Because, you know, I'll be honest, like I have heard a bunch of people saying like they're fearful of wearing certain jewelry. Matter of fact, I had people on the podcast that like they literally had jewelry tucked in because of all day meetings. And then as soon as we started recording, they took it out. Right. So, I mean, li listen, like you have you have bracelets and, and pearls and jewelry, all types of different things and swag. Phenomenal. But like, was there a point where you started embracing that or, or a point where you started you, know, you felt like insecure about wearing certain things? So I actually didn't. This is something that very early on in my life I, I liked. I wasn't rocking pearls and, and a gold necklace when I was 12, but <laughs> I, I always I, I've worn watches for a really long time. I always liked mm. color. So you're a watch guy? I'm a watch guy. I love, love watches. Okay. I've always loved, always loved watches. And I'm, I guess I'm old school like that. I want to look down and be able to actually tell yeah. the time. You know, I think it's, <laughs> but I've always liked that. I liked it for one of two reasons. One, because I felt like they were just creative ways for me to express myself mm -hmm. and creative ways to do it without it necessarily being in your face. It's just, hey, this is a subtle thing that I, I like to do. And also because it's often been received very positively. So going back to what we talked about before, if I'm doing something that I like, and the universe and the world around me is reflecting back that it's also getting positive responses. Well, I guess the ego in me says, great, that's another positive aspect of it. But early on in my life, I always liked that kind of thing. I like color. I like clothes. That was always one of my things. So I guess I'm just embracing it even more as I've gotten a little bit older and wiser. That's a fascinating part of your story that for the most part, like you've been embraced very positively. I mean, obviously, besides early on being too talkative, but that's an interesting part of the story. And to your point, it's, it's almost like it, it obviously how encouraging is that for you to continue 
exploring yourself and, and testing various things if you continue to receive positive feedback. I think it's beautiful. And I, I here's one of the things, too, that I learned. I don't know. I can't pinpoint an exact date. But what I've recognized is if I'm showing up and doing the best that I can, yeah. treating people as, with respect, leading with love versus fear. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that don't like me. I don't have any time or desire to focus on getting everybody to come along with me. My desire and my focus is to do the best that I possibly can, connect with some people, leave things better than I found it, and that's what I can do. I care a lot less about what people think about me while simultaneously caring so much. And this, my friend, has been this interesting paradox for me of what? letting go of certain things while also saying, I want to make sure that this conversation was valuable for you. I want your audience to take something away from it. And at the end of it all, if I came on here and I said the best things that I can, I gave everything that I could, then I'm good. Like I'm going to keep it moving and go on to the next thing. So it's balancing that, man. And that's a, I, I certainly feel like I've gotten much more love than hate in my life. And I'm very grateful for that. And, and that's what I try to tell people. Like most people's biggest fear about being themselves is the judgment, the, you know, the feedback and all these kind of things. Right. And I try to tell people like, yo, that's natural. Like we can't control, like there's some people that aren't going to like us. Right? right. But, and even in my career, like I often talk about the microaggressions and all these kind of things, but the majority, the majority of the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. I'm sure it is. Right? But there's this fear around the minority of feedback mm -hmm. that we potentially may get. Our brains typically go towards the worst case scenarios, right? Like we rarely think about the, the positivity and the support and, and the positive impact that it, it's going to have on our lives. Like, but that's a big mindset shift. And I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're touching on it. It is a big mindset shift. And I wish I had a really practical way to tell somebody, here's how you make that mindset shift. Yeah. But while I don't have that, what I do know for certain is that that is something that truly has to come from inside. Yeah. There can be external validation. There can be people saying, oh, I like the swag. There can be people doing all the rest of those things. But as soon as you walk out of that room, as soon as you step off that stage, before you go to sleep at night, who are you really? And do you actually believe that? Because if you don't, don't wear pearls. If you don't, don't wear a watch. If you don't keep your hair looking the way you want to look, I, I don't really care. What I encourage everybody to do is get serious about who you actually are. Really do some introspection on that and go to a place where you may not often want to go because that's exactly where you need to be to be who you say that you want to be. And I don't care if you do that at 15, 35 or 95. It is my belief that we live a better life once we get to that place and ultimately our interactions and our connection with other people become more rich as well. So that's not a practical way to do it, but it's a philosophical way to say, man, once you get this figured out, and I far from getting it figured out, things start to click, man, clicking for all of us. How do you do the introspective? So I think the first thing that you do is that you have to start being really honest about things. You have to start being really honest about the things that you like, and more importantly, the things that you love and that you value in your life. And you also have to start being honest about the things that you could probably take away and say, you know what, if this is really what I value, I'll, I'll, I'll use a really simple analogy for this because this is, I feel like, an analogy people always use. Exercise, being in good shape. So people can talk, oh, yo, I'm at Gold's Gym every day, seven days a week, man, I'm doing all blah, blah, blah. Oh, great, great. Most people say, oh, that's amazing. And then I'm a hate on him. Then you're going to McDonald's. Then you're drinking seven days a week. Listen, I don't care what you choose to do, but you cannot sit in a room with me and tell me how important it is to have your fitness. And at the same time, 
believe that some of those other things at minimum are not slowing down your progress to this goal of health and fitness, if not worst case scenario, absolutely in opposition of who you actually say you want to be. So if you're talking about getting up on stages and acting like this, but then you don't, what are you really trying to accomplish? And again, it's not a judgment thing. I don't care what you choose to do. You should care about what you choose to do. And are you willing to be honest about that? I don't think most people are, but if so, to me, that is a huge step in the journey towards authenticity, towards loving yourself, truly knowing who you are, which then opens up the world to you. Cause we always, we all want to be around authentic people. We really do. We can, we can smell fake a million miles away. Everybody can. That, yeah, I mean, what I think what you're alluding to is really like self-awareness, right? Sure. Did you start, like, did you start documenting these things? Were you just looking at yourself and saying like, what do I really love about myself? What do I don't? And just start making a list. For example, like I, I journal mm -hmm. often. Like that's my way of doing this self-reflection. And everyone has sort of their own way. But for me, like writing it out helps me just get the thoughts out of my head and transfer some of that energy. Like how do you how do you do some of that? It's a little bit of that. I do some journaling as well. Uh, one of the things I do is I do a lot of grateful journaling. So every morning mm -hmm. before I go to bed, I typically write down one, two, or three different things that either during that day or I experienced that I was incredibly grateful for. Gratitude is something that I have lived by for my entire life. I am I am so damn happy to be here, man, like in life, really I am. And one of the reasons why I talk so much and I was bouncing off the walls when I was a kid, I was just happy to be alive. Wow. I was happy, I was happy. I was adopted from Honduras when I was four months old. I was, I, I, was a, I was adopted from Honduras when I was four months old. I was in a little orphanage when I got adopted. Every single moment that I'm around, I am grateful to be here. And it is genuine gratitude that is expressed through me talking too much or doing whatever it is. So I, I, I use the gratitude piece, man. I write that down, but it's good to be alive. Another thing that I do is I do like to read and I like to listen to podcasts. There are so many incredibly smart people out there. And all we have to do is pick up a phone or get on here. Five minutes and I'm sitting in the airport. I'm waiting to kill some time before my next meeting. I can just be flooded with so much incredible information from amazing people in the world that I can get inspired by, inspired by looking out the window. So for me, it's the gratitude piece of it, really staying in true gratitude, especially when things get hard and I don't always get it right. And then also being inspired by amazing people around me and just saying there is far more good and beauty in this world than the opposite side of it. I'm just happy to be here, man. <laughs> I love every minute of it. Yo, that idea of, of good and maybe even celebration, because you're yeah. kind of celebrating in like yeah. very small ways, yeah. right? People think celebration is like, oh, I'm a, I don't know, pop bottles, confetti, all this kind of <laughs> things. But like celebrating literally could just be like, hey, I'm grateful for this. Like I'm celebrating yeah. my life by showing gratitude. Yeah. That is something that I think many of us struggle with. Definitely me, because I feel like I'm very just often in tactical mode mm -hmm. and I'm always just like, what is the next thing? Like, that's how my anxiety works. My anxiety manifests itself in the way of like, okay, I just spoke at South by Southwest. Who cares? What's next? How am I going to do South by Southwest bigger and better next year? How am I going to take advantage of that moment where it's difficult for me to stop and take that practice of showing gratitude? But yeah. celebrating something I think is is a way to like motivate yourself to keep going. Like it, like damn that that's such a that's such a dope practice that I think a lot of people should pick up. I love that. So. I appreciate that. And, and I, I want to mention one thing about what you just said. And this is I, so I, maybe we might have to hashtag this paradox. Our episode is going to be hashtag the paradox, hashtag the duality, because two things can be true simultaneously. What makes you good and what makes you successful is the fact that, yeah, I was on that stage. Or I did my thing, but you know what? I could have done this and this and this better. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm about to be out to L.A. next week and I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to put in that work. Right. 
there is a beauty in the desire to say, listen, I am going to continue to improve. I'm going to continue to be a better version of myself the next time I get the chance that I was before. And a gratitude and a gratefulness of the fact that you were on a stage at South by Southwest doing your thing and people didn't boo you off. Some, some people would some people would wait their whole lives to do that. And it isn't a comparison thing. It's a two things can be true simultaneously. I did my thing. I'm grateful for it. And I can be better. You sound like my therapist. I charge by the hour too. So uh, I'll I'll check my email for the invoice later. Yeah. <laughs> I'll Venmo you. My Venmo doesn't work. I don't know what's up. <laughs> no, but uh, yo, word, words are so powerful, man. Like we literally limit ourselves simply by the words that we use. And it's, yo, go back to like, did someone tell you you had to do that? I limit myself. I'm the one telling myself I don't have time to do a gratitude entry. No one is looking over my shoulders like, did you send that email? I put the pressure on myself to do that. Right. In a few minutes we have left, I think, I think it's important to also check in on such a beautiful thing that is parenthood. Mm, yes. What impact do you think being a father has had on just how you show up authentically in the world i don't know where it hasn't impacted mm -hmm. I, I was on i was on a work trip just recently and I, I got back and i hadn't been with the family in about i don't know it was five days or something like that and it's interesting because any of my friends who i've spoken to who don't have children i try to explain them parenthood they never get it but as soon as we've all had children everybody goes yeah i get it mm -hmm. when i got back from that work trip both of my sons were so genuinely excited for my presence to simply be there how much they loved having daddy around. They didn't need anything from me. They weren't asking for anything. They don't care about my watches. They don't care about my hair. They love me unconditionally and want my time and affection. And I did not have to do anything to earn that. They give that to me freely. And if we could move through the world giving love freely without there being an attachment or an expectation for them, man, we could save the whole world. And for me, parenthood has been simultaneously the most incredible gift, the most challenging and hard <laughs> thing that I've ever gone through in my entire <laughs> life. And something that I am so immensely grateful for that I recognize what I've always known to be true. This whole life is far bigger than me. And there's far more that connects us and makes us the same than makes us different. And fatherhood, yeah. especially with my both my boys, they have mirrored back to me everything that makes me great and all the shit that I need to figure out. So grateful for it, man. I am so grateful for all of it, really. That word you said, mirror, powerful. And, and just like we spoke earlier, like tying it all back, you know, early in our lives, we, we just observe, right? Like mm -hmm. we, even our first internship, we look around, we see how people show up, dress, and we try to emulate that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we often forget how much representation we are for other people that are also just looking around in the world, right? And I always think of this example, and I f I'm forgetting her name, previous podcast guest, mother, her son could tell who she was going to meet with that day, depending on how she got dressed in the morning, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. She's like, oh, mom, you're, you're meeting with finance folks today, right? She's in advertising. So she had like clients from different, you know, verticals or whatever. And even like, you know, how she picked up the phone. She's like, oh, mommy, you're talking to clients, right? You know? And one day the son was like, mommy, should I change who I am? And this is, it's just such a powerful example of like, yo, somebody's always watching, oh. right? And to your point, right? They're mirroring our behavior, right? So yeah, man, you, you, I just I just think the representation that, that they're seeing, I don't, obviously I don't know your family, I don't know your kids, but I'm happy that they're seeing you the way you are right now. I appreciate that. I genuinely do. And to me, that's, that's, that's my hope. I, I had the 
I don't know, I saw this quote someplace or another that fathers, especially with their sons, fathers are the only men, well, for the most part, that want other men to genuinely be better than them. My goal in my life is for my children to be far greater than I am in every aspect. However we want to define greatness, whatever it may be. But my goal is to go through whatever the trials and the tribulations are that I need to, so that my children don't have to. And I want to be really clear about this, because if anybody wants to twist my words around, saying that I'm trying to have my kids have an easy, cushy life and never have any challenges, I'm not saying that. Let me be clear out there, internet. It's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that at no point in time do I want my children to pay for the sins of the father. That is not leaving things better than I found it. And to me, that's this interesting balance. And, and what for me, I've learned really more so than anything is I have a different respect for my father than I did when I was growing up. I see the things that he went through. I understand them more differently. And I believe that fatherhood has done one thing incredibly important for me, really helped me challenge the beliefs that I have and ideally do a, a better job, not just for me, but for others. Yeah, I'll, I'll end it there. Mi gente, that wraps up another episode of the Gintueras podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, do us a favor, like, share, comment, tell a friend to tell a friend. And if there's option to leave a rating and a review, please do so because it's going to help us in the algorithms to ensure that these experiences get heard by as many people as possible. That's the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism through sharing our experiences. Thank you. See you next time.